Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Hey, this heaven? No. Iowa. That from the iconic scene in the 1989 baseball movie Field of Dreams, Major League Baseball is coming to Iowa. Next season on August 13th, Major League Baseball will be played in the state of Iowa for the first time ever as the White Sox will play the Yankees. A temporary 8,000-seat ballpark will be constructed in the corn on the Dyersville farm site where the film was shot. The Johnston Little Leaguers playing for a shot to get to the Midwest Championship game as they take on Coon Rapids of Minnesota this morning. A win today would send the Johnston Little Leaguers to the Midwest Championship game Saturday morning. A full slate of NFL preseason games start tonight. At 7 o'clock, the Bears host the Panthers, while the Packers host Houston. The Vikings play tomorrow night at the Saints, and the Chiefs play Saturday against the Bengals. Yesterday in MLB, the Cubs fell behind early to the A's, but Ian Happ continues his tear. The call from NBC Sports Chicago as the Cubs win it 10-1. The Brewers kept pace with the Cubs as they win 8-3 over the Pirates. Keston Hira with his first career two-homer game. Hits that one high and deep in the right center field. Marte going back, and that one is gone. A two-run home run for Keston Hira. And he hits that one high and deep to center field. Did he get it? Marte is back, and she's gone. What a night Keston Hira is putting together. The calls from Brian Anderson on Fox Sports Wisconsin. Tonight, the Cubs go on the road for Cincinnati. It'll be Cole Hamels on the mound for Chicago with a 6-10 first pitch. And the Twins begin a big four-game homestand against the second-place Indians. Minnesota with a two-game lead in the division. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, 11 o'clock hour. It's five minutes after 11. Miller and Condon uh, take you for the next 55 minutes, right up until noon. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports on the Big 12 in about oh, 10, 12 minutes or thereabouts. John Miller, 11.35-ish, we will talk uh, Big 10 uh, with John. Uh, recap his and uh, Dace's podcast on what they think uh, the future of the Big 10 might look like as they're starting to get on board with the uh, divisions maybe uh, being a thing of the past year, certainly in time for the new college playoff expansion, which is 2024, mm-hmm. we assume, or 25, uh, somewhere in there once all the bowl contracts are done. So just real quick, it was an awful tease. Maybe one person cares, so I'm going to fill Crazy them in. George? Well, yeah, Crazy George might. So he was he was hired by the Chiefs in 1979. As a cheerleader. As a cheerleader. Lamar Hunt saw him, liked him. They brought him in for one game, and they thought, this is a pretty good deal. I'm not sure what the Chiefs were, what they were like in the, that year. Uh, but he thought, you know what, we, this is what we need, and he hired him for the rest of the year. Well, the Houston Oilers got a whiff of this, and they actually snapped him up, gave him more money for the following year. So 
this Philly Fanatic free agency thing, there's precedent there anyways. He's also associated with the Oakland A's. He's, his Google page, a bunch of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry I brought it up. That's, that's okay, I, no, I but truly I knew am. what you were talking about at uh, the very least. So you're paying attention to this Johnson game, Iowa-Minnesota. We had a play at the uh, a plate here. What happened? I, I missed it. I, I was looking at you, and I missed play at the plate. He's out. I thought he was in there. They called him yeah, out. Yeah, got him out. Trendy standing on home plate. Hell. I mean, standing on home plate. We're talking Little League Baseball here. Well, so, so, time of year. so the umpires are just as bad at, the, at that level. I yeah. mean, good. I'm glad that uh, Johnson caught a break or Iowa caught a break. Look, it's, it's on the bank or on home plate. I made the mistake. Yeah, got him. I got it right. He did get him on that angle. Johnston tied up with one, the 12-year-olds, trying to get to Williamsport. Johnston was there a few years ago. Urbandale's been there. A lot of those Urbandale kids years ago are now at the high school level. They won back-to-back championships. I love this stuff. I love when I got to go to Williamsport and cover that Johnston I remember team, that was, what, 2015 or 16, something like yeah, that? Yeah, right in that yeah. range. Yeah, three years ago. A, I ran into a buddy from high school and college I hadn't seen in years. His yeah. son was on the team. He was assistant coach. So I got to hang out with him. And just to be in Williamsport, to see something that I watched as a little kid. That That's, you know, really? Mm-hmm. As a little kid, that was a more realistic goal, something that I could actually imagine in my mind as opposed to being a Major League Baseball player. I really wasn't going to. You I wanted to play in that. But that was mm. something that seemed attainable. It, it, even at that level, it wasn't. But in my seven, <laughs> eight, nine-year-old mind. You thought there's a chance. There's a chance yeah, of that. I'm, interesting. I'm not going to be Kirby Puckett. I'm not going to be Tony Gwynn. But you're going to play in the Little League But you World know what? Series. Me and the boys from Osage, maybe we can make a run. That didn't happen. Not, not, not uh, you know what? Um, good on the umpire. That's what, he made the right call, and they went and looked at replay. They, they have replay. They now. went and looked at replay. The first angle, I thought, oh, man, oh, man, here we go again. Another bad call. They were the, good call. He was right on top of he it. He was. Now, the crazy thing that we're talking, this is on ESPN. We're watching this on big ESPN yeah, right now. It's not like we're watching it online. Right. This isn't a streaming, though their opening games were. And this isn't even the championship of the Midwest Regional. This is to get to the championship. That shows you ESPN just doesn't put things out for fun. Now, yesterday was their fun day with ESPN, the Ocho. Yeah, you were excited about that. Did that you was watch it, any of it? A little bit. Flipped it down a couple of times. There were some goofy things on, mm-hmm. and I got a kick. And after two, three minutes, you know, you move on from right. it. But this is programming that they get numbers for. They get substantial numbers. They're bumping off their day programming to put a semifinal matchup, if you will, in the Midwest region. For the Little League World Series. How crazy is that? Now it's good, especially when it's uh, got a tie to our local uh, yes. area, right? So, uh, game remains 1-1. Play at the plate. Ooh. Uh, good on the catcher. I have no idea what his name was, but he made a hell of a play there, blocking the plate and applying the tag, and the runner was clearly out. We might be talking about a team making its way to Williamsport after this weekend, which would be awesome to see again from Iowa. Yeah, it wouldn't... Um, Two wins away. This is, and so, they, so, help me out. They lose, they play tomorrow. Lose, they play the Missouri team tomorrow. They snuck by Missouri earlier in the tournament, one nothing. So that will be a difficult matchup. Okay. Then would have to come back and beat Minnesota twice if they lose today. They win today, though. Just need one more win to punch their and ticket. And that would be sport. Saturday? Saturday morning at 10. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, for a chance to get in there and then, um, in most years, be dispatched by the team from Asia, right? Aren't yes. they? Don't they usually dominate this thing? They used to. They used to. Not quite as significant as it once was. There's been some good teams, American teams that have won in the past. There's that Hawaiian team a couple of years ago. They're just hitting bombs all over the place. It. Every year. It's For you, you got your kind of checkpoints. Yeah. This is another summer it's checkpoint a- for me. 
is a Little League World Series. What was the kid that made all the headlines? I was working with Dyer, so it had to be... Daniel Almonte? Yes, yeah. yes. He's like 15. He was like 15. Big left, left-handed left pitcher, right? Wasn't yes. he a lefty? Yeah. Daniel Almonte, that's exactly right. That was... How, what year would that have been? One, two... Yeah, that seems about right. I was in college at the time. Well, I was with Dyer on the jocks. We had all the jokes. Of course, all the jokes were coming in, and you see an older guy at the bar. Hey, look, Danny Almonte. (laughs) Nice. Things like that. Oh, yeah. The the jokes were very prevalent that summer, whatever year that was. I love it. I absolutely love it. More baseball and... And, of course, the big baseball story again of today in our yes, state huge. for people just joining us for I the second think, hour. Well, I'm, if you have missed it, yeah, the uh, Field of Dreams is going to host a Major League Baseball game 13th of August, a Thursday night next year. Yankees and the White Sox are going to play Field of Dreams. They're building, constructing a stadium just adjacent to the uh, field that was used in the movies, and it gets toured throughout the uh, the summer months. So, uh, and actually, construction is going to begin on it next week. Eight thousand tickets will be available. No idea yet um, as to how they're going to be distributed, how many are going to be available, etc. So, I'm looking at the rendering, and of course, this, that's all this is of what well, it's I've, going to look yeah, like. Yeah. Did you see? I, I tweeted that out from the Miller and Condon Twitter account. I don't follow us on Twitter. Why? You don't follow us on Twitter? <laughs> well, I, I, I you kind of know what's going on yeah, already. Right? You don't need right. to. That that is fair. And I'm certainly not discouraging anybody that's listening. But yeah, what a great selling point that was. Right. Trying to get our numbers up there, but the rendering looks pretty cool. So you get the stands around there that are just normal, nothing crazy there, going around from left field corner all the way to the right field corner. Okay. Left field, though, it looks like there's going to be like a grassy area where kids can sit. People can sit and watch it, bring a blanket, watch it from out there. I would guess some kind of hill will be constructed beyond the left field wall. Okay. And then a right field, that is where the corn is. The corn is. I read one of the things that I read said that it'll be basically plexiglass there, where the wall will not be a wall with padding on it. It will be something that you can actually see the corn. Out in right field. Well, Fox will like that. Yes, there'll be some great, great pictures of that. Kind of reminds me of San Francisco. You know how you got the, mm-hmm. the where you can do a standing room yep. only there. That's where you, that's where we, you were a couple of years ago, Yeah, right? last summer. Yeah, last we summer. were out there. And that's, uh, yeah, student watched the game for a while from that vantage point. Really cool. Don't have to have a ticket. You can just get right in. Well, you're going to have to have there. a ticket for this one. It's going to be a pricey one, too. I saw Keith uh, had a Facebook post, and he kind of prompted people, what do you think it's going to cost in to to get into yeah, 400 maybe, oh, I maybe think 100 that's low way low i don't think there's a chance you're going to find a ticket no unless you win the lottery or have and a you way pay to buy face, face value right but if you're talking secondary market oh get ready to pay through the nose 2000 is that a fair estimate i i was that might be it i mean you can get into 15, a super yeah 15 1500 you can get into a super bowl for 2000 maybe you can a get a pair for 2500 mm, maybe maybe it's going to be tough this right. is not going to be plentiful tickets. Nope. Uh, and, we and I'm going to no do idea. my best to try to get some. Well, I, I don't blame you a bit. Uh, we'll take a time out. We're going to have Matt Postens next. We'll talk Big 12 with Matt. Then we'll get John Miller in here, probably about 1140 for John. Back him up by a few minutes. But uh, we continue on here. It's coming up on a uh, quarter after the hour of 11 o'clock. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 
Continuing on here, as we said, we're going to talk a lot of college football in the 11 o'clock hour. John Miller from HawkeyeNation.com will join Trent tonight about 11.35. But right now, Big 12 is our focus as we get one of our guys, Matt Poston, Heartland College Sports, in here. Uh, as we, uh, well, go around the Big 12, we will get to Iowa State. But, Matt, good to talk to you, as always. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. I want to start with TCU because... You know, most of us here, um, I think I speak for most of the, the, the state, when, you know, it's it's Texas, it's Oklahoma, then that third tier, seemingly, Iowa State has moved up and finds themselves, in some people's mind, alone on the third tier, maybe some company, but I'm trying to find that team that is going to be there with them. And, you know, the more I hear, the more I read, I'm, I'm circling in, uh, zeroing in on Gary Patterson's uh, Horn Frogs. I don't know what it is. I mean, they usually bounce back after what he calls a disappointing year. They've got guys on defense as they should in a Patterson coach team. Quarterback is the question. But where are you, Matt, on TCU? Might this be a team that's uh, not getting the respect that maybe they deserve? Uh, I'm a little guarded on them at this point if for no other reason than the one you just mentioned. They have a quarterback issue. but have a significant one. Uh, when we talked to Gary Patterson at Big 12 Media Days in July, you know, he mentioned that the quarterback race right now is a six-man race, and that's not really the kind of race you want to have at that position. Um, it's been uh, They've kind of paired it back a little bit because Matthew Baldwin uh, did not get his waiver to play immediately right. at TCU, so they're, they're trimmed back a little bit. If I had to pick a starter today right now, I guess I'd be leaning toward Alex Delton, the former Kansas mm-hmm. State quarterback just because he has all that experience. But I don't think he's the kind of passer that, that offensive coordinator Sonny Cumbie likes to have at that position. So I, I, don't, I think they'll have a starter week one. Obviously, they have to have one. But I don't think that position is going to be settled, you know, first month of the season. I think it's going to kind of drag on a little bit. Uh, they're early in practice. Nobody has really – everybody's looked good, and everybody looked, tends to look good this time of year. So – um, it's a good thing that the defense, that everybody is as high as they are in that defense because uh, that defense is going to have to carry them into the season. And they've got a lot of guys who got a lot of experience last year when a lot of guys got hurt. The guys who were hurt last year are back. And, you know, that's I think that's the area where Gary Patterson's like, you know, this is we feel like this could be one of our better defenses in the past half dozen years. And it's going to have to carry us because they've got to figure out who their QB is. Uh, probably as the season goes along. Want to get your thoughts on West Virginia? Eight and three a year ago during the regular season, of course. New coaching staff coming in after Holgo decides to make his way down to Houston. It's a rebuilding project for Coach Brown and company. But how big of a dip back do you expect this year? This is a team that was uh, throughout in the top ten for much of last year. Are we talking about a fight just to be bull eligible, or could this team contend in that middle portion of the Big Twelve? You know, I think that um, I think they could be bowl eligible by the end of the year. I think this is a team that has the potential to um, to get better as the year goes on because Neil Brown knows how to build a program. Now it takes time to do that, but in the immediate term, he has uh, good players on that team, and and you know, Dana Holgerson did at least leave him a pretty uh, fair cupboard. You know, like TCU. They've got to figure out the quarterback situation. They've got five they're looking at. You know, Austin Kendall and Jack Allison are probably the two main candidates for the job right now. You know, Kendall played at Oklahoma last year, or well, more to the point, sat behind Kyler Murray at Oklahoma last year. Uh, so they're still trying to sort that out. And 
And, and to me, when you think about when you talk about these tiers of teams, it, it, to me, it really boils down to quarterback. The ones that we're talking about, the ones we like, Texas, Sam Ellinger, Iowa State, Purdy, uh, and on down the line. You know, these these teams that we're not sure about. When you look at the biggest uncertainties they have on their roster, it's a quarterback. It holds true for TCU. It holds true for West Virginia. It even holds true to a certain degree for Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, well, since you put, uh, brought them up, uh, let, let's go to Oklahoma State because that's the the question. There is is Sanders taking that job at this point? A lot of folks like Gundy's team. Thirteen returning starters. Um, no, twelve. I beg your pardon. Twelve returning starters. Seven of which are on defense. One of them isn't at the quarterback position. Cornelison played last year's one and only year uh, that he was under center, and we get that. Um, and I thought he was better than maybe some th- some feel that he was. He wasn't. Ter- Terrible at the spot by any means, but what about Gundy's team this year? Might they be this team that's getting overlooked? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, Gundy at the Big Twelve media days was very high on Sanders, uh, who of course did not play at all last year, just kind of sat and watched. And you know, the thing that Gundy said that really impressed him was just Sanders' demeanor throughout the season. You know, guys who are like the Texas Gatorade Player of the Year. Uh, he had a tremendous career in Texas high school football, and he didn't play at all, you know, his freshman year. And he he really did all the things that Gundy was hoping he would do in terms of watching film, participating in practice when he could, you know, paying attention during games, the types of things, the types of mental reps that you like to see your your young quarterback go through. He's got a lot of talent, and he's got a lot of good weapons to work with, including Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver. You know, the trick is when you have a young quarterback like him. You know, is he is he going to react the way you hope he will react in those pressure-filled situations? Texas high school football, I think, gives you a leg up in that regard because a lot of those games, especially when you get to the postseason, are big games. But uh, I anticipate that he'll be the guy that gets the job. And how well and how efficiently he plays in that offense, I think, is going to say a lot about what uh, about how far this team can go in terms of being an influence in the uh, Big 12 race. I think their defense will also be a little bit better uh, than it was this year uh, or this, ter- this previous year. Uh, but, you know, I still I still don't look at them as one of the top, say, five defenses in the conference right now. So we know this is a passing league. This is a league that quarterbacks certainly reign the day. But this thought popped in my mind. I was thinking about Iowa State and the loss of David Montgomery and what they're going to do there. Puka Williams certainly is a very talented running back, but – who knows how things are going to go this year? Already a suspension with him. Who do you think statistically has the best year in the Big 12 this year from the running back position? Where are you going there? Oh, gosh. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think there's a... Yeah. Brooks <laughs> it, it, in Oklahoma? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it could be Oklahoma. I, you know, It's hard because we've lost a lot of good backs yeah. this year, not just Montgomery, but... You know, also um, uh, the kid from Oklahoma State, whose name I'm blanking on at the moment, a guy that I was hoping would stay for his senior year. But Justice he Hill. Yeah, Hill. Right. yeah, yeah, I, I was hoping he'd stay for his senior year, and he decided to go to the NFL. Um, I could see it back from Texas, uh, depending on who wins that job, maybe mm-hmm. Ingram uh, being the leading rusher in the conference. But, you know, watch West Virginia, just maybe not necessarily from an individual standpoint, but from a team standpoint. Neil Brown likes to run the football, even though they run an air raid type of offense, uh, and he's running an air raid type of offense for a while. He does like to run the football, and it wouldn't surprise me at all with the talent that they have with Petway and that group of backs 
at West Virginia if they actually led the conference overall in rushing by the end of the season. McCoy, good player as well. Interesting mm-hmm. uh, what they're going to do there. Well, let, uh, let me get your uh, thoughts on Iowa State. We talked to you about uh, before about the team. They... You know, they've got some uh, guys that are moving up the depth chart. A lot of people just assumed there would be, you know, the the way the team finished last year. They won eight football games that the incumbents would just come back in and that job was going to be there uh, for them uh, to be to start with fall camp. And maybe that will be, but there's some guys on the offensive line that are pushing, junior college receivers that are starting to, to show up a little bit. So I guess where I'm going with you, Matt, here is for the first time in a long time, Iowa State's got really good starters, but they've also built some depth which is what clearly every program wants yeah and it's what every program in, in the power five needs i mean you know a couple of years ago dana holgerson was talking at big 12 media days about west virginia and i think it was the 2018 team uh you know i'm sorry it was a 2017 team and he said you know what for the first time since we moved from the big east to the big 12 we we really feel like we have big 12 depth now and if you're going to survive a 12 game season you're going to be a contender in this league you not only need great talent but you need great second and third string guys and to hear that you know the guys that are holdovers from last year are being pushed by guys who either sat behind them last year or are new to the program this year that's a really good sign for matt campbell and his group because a it means they fostered an atmosphere of competition within that program and b it means that they're going to have good players behind those guys whoever starts uh on opening night and beyond uh, in case players get hurt, in case players start underperforming, uh, it can only make that program better and even and make them, you know, even more of a, you know, I think what most people consider to be a number three contender in that conference right now. A couple on the Dallas Cowboys, as we know, you cover them as well. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, what's the latest there, Matt? Is this thing going to get worked out? I mean, Dak's coming out; he's raving about another uh, running back in practice now. Jerry Jones says that they can win without him. You know, I think his nose was growing. He said the same thing when Emmett Smith held out uh, back in the '90s as well. And look what happened when he came back to the team. What's the latest with Elliott? Well, you know, yesterday was a big deal because not showing up at camp meant that he passed up his accrued season in the NFL. So you have to have four accrued seasons in order to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of your contract. Of course, Elliot, they've already triggered the fifth-year option on his contract because he was a first-round pick. So right now he has three accrued seasons in the NFL. By not showing up yesterday, that he passes up his fourth accrued mm-hmm. season. So basically... He's going to spend the 2019 season as a third-year player for the second year in a row. Uh, that tells me that, that Elliot A, is in it for the long haul, and B, Elliot wants to stay in Dallas. He just wants to have a long-term deal and have that long-term security, which when you consider that he's been the NFL rushing leader two of the last three years, he's certainly well worth the money. It's not that the Cowboys can't pay. In fact, they can pay all three of the guys they're trying to pay, him, Prescott, and Amari Cooper, uh, I think it's just the Cowboys being the Cowboys right now. You know, Stephen Jones is the guy who negotiates the contract, and he takes a much harder line than his father used to. I think the Emmett Smith contract from 20-something years ago, I think that impacted Jones in terms of how he handed out money after that. He took a very hard line with Emmett. It didn't work. They went 0-2. He paid up. And then from there, you saw Jerry really spend money and spend money until they really couldn't do that with the salary cap anymore. Steven takes a much harder line. I think he's trying to get a deal that's friendly to both the player and to the team, but obviously more to the team for all three players. He knows he's going to have to pay Dak at least $30 million a year because that's the market for a starting quarterback. 
And I think he's just trying to balance all three of those things. And Elliot is the only one taking the hard line right now, and he's the one getting the most attention. But in the background, Prescott's agents and Cooper's agents are also negotiating with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. It's just that everybody's taking a different strategy right now, and, and Elliot is just front and center because he's not at camp right now. But I think I ultimately think they get all three done eventually. Interesting. College Football America, Matt. Uh, you can follow him, by the way, at Poston's Postcard. You can find all the information. College Football America, the yearbook is out. It's available. Uh, there's a link right on uh, the front page of uh, Matt's uh, uh, Twitter page. Uh, last thing for you, Matt, then we appreciate you coming on, talking Big 12, as you will with us throughout the season, and a couple on the Cowboys. But the NFC East overall, the consensus is it is the Cowboys' division to win. They, of course, they were 10-6 and six and won the division last year. Do you feel that a repeat is in the offering for the Cowboys, or is maybe the Eagles the team that's going to take that step and knock them off that perch? Uh, I, I feel a repeat is certainly possible. And it, it's been a while, I think, since somebody actually won this division two years in a row. Um, the Eagles, to me, are the team that can be the the fly in the ointment, so to speak. Uh, The Giants are clearly rebuilding. The Redskins are okay, but I think they're going to hand the reins to the the rookie this year, Dwayne Haskins, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I saw Haskins in person last year against Minnesota, and he's a hell of a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got, he had maybe the best arm in the draft, in my opinion, and he's, he's plenty accurate, too. But, you know, when you look at both teams overall, Dallas and Philadelphia, they're the, they're the two teams that are built I think, to win this division. And, you know, barring any unforeseen things like Zeke's holdout, you know, bleeding into the regular season or somebody significant getting hurt on either team, uh, their two matchups this season are probably going to decide who wins the division. Great stuff, Matt. Poston's postcards where you can follow him on Twitter. You can find all the information about the uh, yearbook as well. Matt, thank you. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Matt Postens, uh, Heartland College Sports, and covers the Cowboys as uh, well, I believe, at 24-7 uh, is where you can read his stuff there. Uh, what'd you learn? Uh, TCU, that team? No. Not for you? It's Oklahoma State. Is it? That is, that's one that I zeroed in early, mm-hmm. and I haven't stayed off that. I believe in Gundy. I, gl- I believe in the mullet. <laughs> Um, it's a good look. It is a good look. Maybe not in his. What is he now? He's, well, he's obviously only forty. He's, he's fifty now. Is he fifty now? Yes. Wow. Um, okay. Well, good for him for for rocking that at uh, at fifty years old. What about Baylor? You know, that's a team to me. They got a ton of guys coming back, including a really good quarterback and a really good receiver. But can they flies. go ten and two? No. Let me look at their schedule. They can't go ten and two. Can they eight go? and four? You can sell me there. I could tell you, well, here's their non-con. Well, they're 3-0 and for sure. Okay. When they play Iowa State, when they host Iowa State the last weekend in September, if they're not 3-0, and um, something's gone horribly wrong. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. Uh, Texas San Antonio. Yeah. At Rice. Yeah. And then we get to the Big 12. Iowa State at K-State, Texas Tech. What's the month of, what's their final month like? Well, they play on a Thursday night, Halloween, at, uh, no, home to West Virginia, at TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, and then at Kansas to wrap it up. Can they be ten and two? Yeah, you think so? Nine and three? You could maybe talk me into that. But that Iowa State game is pivotal for both schools. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. If wow. you're going to go with the dark horse to make a run out of those two, that's the game winner is of that game. Massive. Yes. Uh, we'll take a timeout. John Miller is next. Him and Dace had an interesting podcast, and I listened to it. What? All yes, all forty three minutes of it. You listened I to did. a podcast. My first podcast ever. How'd it go? 
Well, it was a little tricky because I couldn't find the link to begin with, but okay. then I finally figured it out and just pressed the arrow, and there it was. Yeah, I told you. It's pretty I didn't easy. have to fill anything out. I didn't have any credit card no. information or any email stuff. It was just click and listen. Speaking of podcast at KXNO.com now, yes. every Hawkeye segment has its own dedicated feed. So I'm guessing this uh, upcoming conversation with John will be on there. It will be on there. How our, about our Big 12 conversation we just had with Matt Postens? Will that, that be there? That will be on the Cyclone feed. Wow. Very simple. You can do it. Whatever podcast device you use on your phone, just download that. You're good to go. Find that feed. It is Hawkeye Talk on KXNO, Cyclone Talk on KXNO, two separate feeds, and free Hawkeye and Cyclone fans that don't want to hear about the other, we got you set up perfectly there. We will take a time out. We'll come back. John Miller joins the program next. Trent and I are here until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org. Late. 17 minutes before the hour at 12 o'clock. Thought we'd get to John, well, almost 10 minutes ago, but better late than never is John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. John, uh, listen to yours and Dace's podcast, all 43 minutes of it. Very enjoyable, wow. very informative. It's the first podcast I've ever listened to, John Miller. Um, I am honored that you that you did that, and uh, when I sent you the link, I knew I just figured, well, he's not going to listen to this, but I thought I thought you would enjoy it, and I did, John, and it's very informative. And Dace makes some great points, and you make some uh, great counterpoints to it, and I think in the end that the consensus is changes are coming uh, once these contracts uh, uh, expire, and the Bulls in 2024, and the TV, a lot of them in 2023. So at the very latest, 2025, I'll go back to. A couple of weeks ago, John, in Chicago, the consensus seemed there that the Big Ten was more likely to go to 10 games as opposed to going back to eight games. But this playoff thing and the, what you guys lay out in there, I think you guys are on to something. Well, it's mostly, Steve, because I, I wrote something, you know, following those first days in Chicago. I was not there, but I saw Scott Docterman had tweeted something out relative to what P.J. Flex said, that he believes change is coming to the Big Ten divisions and realignment within the Big Ten, the Big Ten scheduling, et cetera, whatever. And so I, I tossed out my thought and notion on, on, you know, the easiest way to change things would be like, you know, to swap Purdue and, and Michigan State, and that's pretty easy because I was operating on the premise, which was set in 2013, that Ohio State and Michigan did not want to be in opposite divisions because they did not want to devalue the impact and gravity of the game. And yes, we had the leaders and legends, and they were in opposite divisions. But you know it, that their voicing of that concern, potentially devaluing the game, was very much in the front of the decisions for them to be in the same division when they went to the East and West. However, Dace brings up a really good point in that. This is going to be all about the playoff. And as college football expands the playoff from four to eight, which they will, then the Big Ten needs to position itself the best it can to get one, not, well, they'll get the one automatic, but position themselves for the two. And looking at it from that vantage point that I think Steve really laid out well, it changed my opinion. And I don't like just like to roll over for him. Uh, even though he's pretty smart in a lot of things, I like to fight back. But there, there really wasn't a lot of fight here because it makes a lot of sense to get rid of the divisions, 
um, and just have the two best teams play for the championship. And as we went back and looked at things the last five years relative to when we've had the East and West, you don't really get a lot of repeats. You don't really get a Michigan-Ohio State. And I, I was really interested in how he laid it out, and I, th- I thought it made a lot of sense. It does make sense. Uh, the the certainly rematch factor, if it doesn't happen very often, could change things. But it is Michigan-Ohio State. Those are still the, the brands that certainly drive this conference. If the West, we know it's a deeper, certainly, division, at least appears that way here. The divide hasn't been as great, but it has to happen in a championship game. Say that does happen. Say this year... Whoever comes out of the West beats a team for the East. Does that drum beat from the East slow down, or is this more of a big picture kind of theory? I think, as far as Dace's theory is concerned, it's big picture. It's about the playoff first, second, and third, which I believe he actually said it like that in the podcast. Everything has to do with the National College Football Playoff, thinking more globally and less provincially. Now, that said, I think the Big Ten is a conference that has, for most of its history, and frustratingly so for other conference leaders around the country, the Big Ten thinks very provincially, or at least it did under the direction of Jim Delaney. Will that be the case under the new commissioner? I don't know. It is a different time and place. It is about the money. It is about the playoff. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten has positioned itself to be at the top of the money table until, you know, the SEC renegotiates things potentially. But so maybe it won't be as provincial as it once was. But I do agree, especially given the recency impact of the Big Ten being left out of the college football playoff, maybe when it shouldn't have, or at least the Big Ten felt it had a case that it should have had a team in when it got left out. Those are the types of things and instances that cause everyone to rethink things and change. When you uh, feel pain like that. Right. That's how it happened. Indeed. You know, I, I love the fact that Dace put on his marketing hat, if you will. Uh, logistically, I'm not sure that an announcement of the, you know, the random teams that you're going to draw for every, for, for, on a two year cycle. I mean, the Big Ten Network televises that. I got to think 14 fan bases throughout the Big Ten footprint would be glued into that in May. It just seems like it's a great idea, but probably logistically, because teams want to start selling their season tickets, you would need to know who your opponents are going to be earlier than he thought. I think the concept is brilliant. But maybe the date needs to move. Potentially, you're right, and, and those logistics can be a challenge. But you know that you're going to play in his scenario four road games, four home games. You basically know the hotel you're going to stay at when. It, so you know Iowa hasn't gone and played in the Horseshoe for a long time. But the next time they play there, I bet they stay at the same hotel they stayed at last yeah, time. Yeah. So the logistics on the ground, I think those things are pretty well set, and most of the heavy lifting is already done, so they can be a little more flexible. Um, but but you're right. I mean, can you think of another program Uh-oh. that would get more eyeballs than the Big Ten <laughs> Network airs on an annual basis than that? And his point about the NFL, and look how big of a deal the NFL schedule unveil is. John, I can't sleep the night before it comes out. I'm so excited. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's and, a great and, idea. You, you do it in the spring. Yeah, you do it in the spring when there's not. You know, football and basketball are over, and, and you created just a big event and a talking point that will be leading the way for weeks and weeks. What other portion of the theory and the plan that Dace put together was the reduction from nine conference games and moving it back to eight? It is what the ACC and SEC play, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, all play nine conference games. Now, if that happens, you lose conference inventory, and with it, 
possibility of losing TV money. Is that realistic? Is that realistic to see the Big Ten make that kind of move? Maybe it's just as simple as there is going to be a new commissioner in charge. Maybe it is. Yeah, I, I, I guess, again, you, you start the whole plan is based on the premise that the playoff is everything. Mm-hmm. And if the playoff is everything and getting into the playoff is everything, and potentially if the college football playoff expands to 18, getting two teams in there is everything, then you need to be on an even playing field and playing nine conference games when the SEC only plays eight and the ACC only plays eight. You need to even the playing field. And that's why I think it has a lot of merit. Now, relative to TV revenues, it's one of those things like, you know, when, when you know, states put a toll on a road. Hey, we're going we're gonna to have a toll booth here that's basically going to be money that we use to pay for the road's construction. Now, at some point in time, they've collected enough money that pays for that road. Do they tear those toll booths down? <laughs> Or do they keep them open? Yeah. Well, we know what they do. We know they the answer to that. They yeah. Keep collect- yeah, they keep collecting money. Same thing here. I believe it's going to be hard for, especially as embedded as Fox is with the Big Ten as a majority owner of the Big Ten network, it's going to be real hard to put that genie back to the ball and say, hey, guys, instead of giving you $55 million, we're going to give you 45 because you're playing Miami of Ohio as opposed to Michigan State Purdue. I just don't see that as being realistic. But also let's remember, this whole revenue model is going to change in five years in drastic ways anyway. So we don't know how that will work under a potential new format or the old one. Fair point. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. John, my last thing for you, just uh, your reaction to the extension uh, that Gary Barda received yesterday. The first thing I thought of was this guy has really cost the university a good chunk of money. Uh, relative to the lawsuit, you know, the, from a few years ago that that he lost because, you know, I think he lost his office. They didn't do a good enough job relative to paper trails and, and management, and I think that's his job. I also think he's been a very good fundraiser. I believe that is your nickname for him, if memory serves correctly. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so apparently the powers that be at the University of Iowa feel that the benefits outweigh the negatives. I believe that he's presided over the two most one-sided contracts in college sports history in his original parents' long-term contract and then the rubber stamp extension. And that doesn't mean I don't think Kirk's worth it. It just means I think the language of the buyout was very one-sided in a rollover. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Bruce Harold thinks he's worth the money, and that type of consistency and stability is worth it. If it were me, I'd like to see someone a little more brash, someone a little more in the mold of Barry Alvarez. But then again, person in that mold might not well work with head coaches who are typically brash and in the mode of a Barry Alvarez. So I'm somewhat ambivalent to it. I probably don't know all the great things that Gary does to make the wheels continue to turn. But from a public relations standpoint, he sure has presided over a number of very embarrassing black eyes. Indeed he has. John, last thing for you, since you're, you're an Eastern Iowa kid in Dyersville, the announcement came today, and I'm sure you've seen it, the Yankees and the White Sox playing at Field of Dreams uh, in, uh, in about a year from now, August 13, 2020. Pretty cool event, huh? Really cool seeing the, uh, the Ray Kinsella judge little 22-second tweet, you know, when, when judge is asking, is this heaven? And, mm-hmm. and you know, Kinsella says this, Iowa, it gave me goosebumps. Yep. You know, that movie still gives me goosebumps. And 
We've all been up there almost like a pilgrimage. Uh, that will be incredibly cool, no Indeed. doubt about it. John, great to talk to you. Nice job on the podcast. Get you thinking, and uh, that's, that's a good thing. Thank you, John Miller. Look forward to talking to you in the weeks ahead. All right. Thanks again. Take care. Good Bye-bye. Talk to thanks, John. John Miller, HawkeyeNation.com. Give it a listen. Uh, Bigger 10 mm-hmm. um, is the Twitter handle. Yes. Uh, you can find it at Hawkeye Nation, I'm pretty sure. You can, yep. And they're uh, both linked up together. Usually they just do two back-to-back. One's cut up more of a Hawkeye-dedicated one. Mm-hmm. That's a Hawkeye Nation podcast. The other, a bigger look around the Big Ten. That's the Bigger Ten podcast. Both really good. Love listening to Dace. Remember the first time listening to him driving up here years ago, probably mid-2000s. Would that be about right? Uh, on KXNO? On KXNO. He, so he was at the jock until Dyer fired him one day. Okay. I don't remember the year, say 2003 or four, and then they, they all reconvened on 940, and he was over there for a while as the Iowa Cubs tried to launch a station uh, out of the uh, the Cub Club, mm-hmm. and that didn't last any more than a year. Then he came over here, I'm going to say, and then we took his spot when he moved down, the, uh, down right. the hall to WHO, and that was 2006, I think, so maybe 2004? Yeah, yeah, probably that range, yeah, the, my sister just moved here, and mm-hmm. I was coming to visit for the weekend, and... I've heard about this guy. I'll give it a listen. Yeah. Pretty good. He did afternoons on the uh, jock by Solo. Okay. Bob and I did the morning show, and mm-hmm. he did afternoons, and uh, very popular. And, and look, He's brilliant. He's a really good talk show host. Yes. Whether you like his politics or not, when he, when he talks sports like he does on that Bigger Ten podcast, mm-hmm. it's really well done. I'm glad I listened to it. So is that the last podcast Probably. you'll ever listen to? Yeah. <laughs> Never again? I don't know. I, it was easy, though, it? Wasn't was, it? yeah, it was. I mean, you just put it on, and you, you know, anyways. It sounds so old. Yeah. I was trying to think of another word, but when it comes Geriatric, right down to it. Geriatric, you like that no, one better? I like old better. Okay. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Um, we look forward to a uh, Friday when we'll talk, uh, we'll define some, we'll play the hits. How about that? Hawks and Clones and maybe Bama Bob, and we'll recap baseball, as there are a couple of huge series that move our needle. One at Target Field, one in Cincinnati. Cardinals are off today. Murph and Andy are coming up next. One week from today, by the way, all of the shows will be at Prairie Meadows as they cut the ribbon on sports wagering. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4, Morning Rush tomorrow at 6. Trent and I will be back at 10, 1460 KXNO.